Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Post Ride Cafe. I'm Sam. This is Aaron. And welcome to episode eight. How are you doing? Doing pretty well. I'm a little tired, but I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> I am also really tired. Uh, turns out, riding your bike is tough. Dude, I mean, tougher when you take, take a significant amount of time off. It's true. Well, let's get right into it with our Strava Stats of the Week. Stats. Uh, well, I actually got to ride. Uh, I got to ride today. Today I rode the first time I've ridden in three weeks. Um, you know, it's nice to be back in the saddle. I got to put my back to it on Strava, so I felt pretty official. I mean, that's all it's really about is getting that back to it post in. Like, I got it. Yeah, that's why I took the time off. Just so I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I did a ride today. You and I did went out. Uh, it's 35 miles and about 1,100 feet of climbing. So, um, yeah, it ended up being a pretty tough ride for me. I kind of was just, you know, I, had to, I was only averaging about 90 miles a week anyway. So taking a couple, you know, three weeks off and doing, you know, 35 miles was a little bit much for me. And I got to get back into the saddle and, uh, you know, kind of develop that time again. A little embarrassing, but, like, it was a good ride. I just got a little bit tired at the end. Yeah, and I mean, we hit some climbs. I don't know if you want to talk, you know, it is your ride of the week. Since, it's true. We don't want to see only one. Too far ahead. Yeah. But uh, yeah, quickly, let's hit up your stats, man. All right. So uh, 202 miles and 6,800 feet of climbing. Yeah, another good solid week for you. Yeah, I think that's about where I want to be at a pretty much standard of 200 miles. And I have the time, so. That's true. <laughs> Might as well. Hey, man, you got you to gotta really hold up uh, your end of the deal here. Yeah, so we'll get into our ride of the week. Mine was today because it was, you know, like you had mentioned, uh, my only ride. But we ended up doing, uh, you had been riding with this guy, and I, I don't know his name. Doesn't matter, man. It doesn't don't, matter. Don't worry anyway. about him. Uh, yeah, so you've been riding with this guy that you had met, and uh, he's been kind of showing you some climbs that are around our part of the, of the world here in Phoenix, and that were, you know, we don't have a lot of climbing in our neck of the woods, so he kind of had found a bunch of little climbs and neighborhoods and stuff so i been saw all those on your Strava and I've been wanting to go out there so we went out there and you know put in a little nice ride and there's a you know it kind of reminds me of a few other places around the valley where there's these little neighborhoods that are right next to a, a small mountain and so you know the road the neighborhood just kind of built on the side so there's just these little spots where you can get you know 10% 6% 12% you can find these little gradients if you're paying attention so we ended up going and do that, and it was pretty good. I mean, it's nice to find a new place to ride, especially right from the house that you can get, you know, a thousand feet of climbing. It's pretty hard. Yeah, and I like that area too. You know, kind of how you were saying, there's a lot in Phoenix of short, steep, kind of quick, punchy stuff, uh, and that one area, you, you have to hop a fence, but it's a, it's a very small fence, and but you have to hop a fence. But it's it's the best I think around because. There's three good climbs over there. They one of them peaks out about like thirteen percent. Then there's kind of a rolling climb where it hits ten, I think, a couple times. Uh, but you can gain some good climbing feet right there. I, I would imagine it's probably doing it once, all three of them, three four hundred feet, and there's almost no traffic back there because it's a private neighborhood. And not too private, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, even the area just getting to that is, uh, I mean, not like a big gradient, but it's 2%, 3%. Like, you know, it's a steady yeah. climb, you know, to get up to it, you know, in a sense. So it's good to get, you know, some pace and building some strength. So yeah, I think that that's was nice. pretty nice. So that was my ride of the week. 
Uh, mine would be yesterday. I went out with a new group. I just, as many groups as I can go on to. And... You kind of are getting around at this point, <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, I mean, some of them don't, it's hard to find a good Saturday group. And then there's lots of Sunday groups. And so I went out with that guy and we drove out a little ways and it's called um, West Valley Cycling is the, the group that puts it on. And another pretty big, I think it was a little smaller than normal because there was a race going on, I think this weekend uh, down in Tucson. So a little bit smaller group, but we went out, uh, you kind of, same thing usually with those groups, you, everybody's bunched together and you make, you know, the, the turn where everybody knows. And luckily my buddy was like, all right, like this is where the turn's going to be, be in the front half. And so then it breaks off, you know, everybody kicks it at like 30 just to split everything up and then it calms down a little bit. But yeah, it was a hard, it was a hard ride. Uh, it was about 62 miles or so. And we held, I think the average ended up being somewhat over 21. Um, but I saw like my 20 minute speed or whatever on Strava was 25 or something like the top 20 minute speed. Yeah. And it wasn't like a very like climbing. No, which I mean is harder for me. So like, I mean, that's, that's good. And I was able to do quite a few pulls in there. Yeah. Uh, I guess I was just saying it's not like it was on a descent or something. Yeah. Yeah. It was mainly flat. Like there was not much, there's not much for descending on, on that either. But yeah, it was a good ride and it was kind of cool. Like we stopped, there was a couple pre-designated stops and one of them was like at a bashes and they, they know. So they set out like a big, one of those water jugs that, mm, yeah. and then they have a, like an ice, uh, like an old ice chest with a scoop and there's ice in there. So it was, it was kind of nice. And yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. There's a climb, like it's like 3% or whatever there. They're called Verado, which like everybody kind of knows. And it's a nice little area and that's where the bashes was. And it's a nice area. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd never been out there at all, so pretty cool. Yeah. No, cool. Yeah, I mean, it's a. Uh, the main issue is it's just you know kind of a far drive to get to. Oh, and also it's like it's a far drive, and they roll at seven thirty, and so like I was up at five thirty to go do that. And right now, this time of the year, it's perfect weather to ride all day. Yeah. So it's kind of hard like, going that early. Sure. And I mean, throw it out. I still did pretty well. Had a truly the night before, so I, I was still able to hold it with it with a truly in my body. So not even uh, no white claw. Huh? <laughs> you know, it's I didn't buy them. I, Black cherry though, man. I'm just like, right. this whole like seltzer alcohol thing is. Just I wouldn't. All the I mean, for for you know, for I'm gonna say you know athletes. I'm throwing myself into that category. A little low calorie. Only a hundred hundred calories, man. That's true. Next thing you know, you're going to be drinking Michelob Ultra. I'll stop being your friend. I hate people who are like, yeah, I just love, you know, Michelob Ultras or whatever. I'm like, dude. No, it's just, it's watery. Like, it, it's low carb, low, like. Yeah, just I drink get scotch it. like the rest of us if you yeah. don't want a high calorie drink. It makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, cool. Well, that uh, sounds like a cool ride. Maybe we'll uh, head out there at some point, or, or I will anyway, but. Um, we'll see how it goes, but uh, let's get into the racing for the week. We got a couple of big races, uh, classics even, I've heard, were supposed to be this weekend, and uh, it happened. It, they did. <laughs> uh, yeah, so first race of the week, we had UAE Tour started, and um, it was a pretty cool race. Yeah, 
Did you get to watch uh, some of those? Or? Um, I watched a few of them. I didn't really get to watch the first stage all that well. Uh, I think I, you know, I watched some highlights, but um, you know, I'll let you yeah, take that one off. I would say that one was pretty straightforward. Uh, sprint stage, Ackerman went out, beat uh, UNN, Grotenwagen, and uh, Barbier. Basically kind of just outpowered him on there. I think he was, it was kind of the similar lead out that Bohr had been does for Sagan where it's just mainly to do the work, get you up there, and then they can surf the wheels. Yeah, and I was going to say, what, what lead out do they do for Sagan? Because like, it's usually like... Well, that, that's yeah. what they do. No, it makes that's sense. What they, I, that's I was what waiting they do. to hear this explanation because I was <laughs> yeah. like, lead out and Bohr usually don't make sense, but uh, building up to the lead out, I guess, is what yeah. they're good at. Bringing it back and, and setting the high tempo. Yeah, and I mean, that's what works for him, so... Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a good. Yeah, it was a pretty good victory. I, I, I don't remember it, you know, verbatim, but I do remember watching it. Uh, stage two was um, was an interesting one. I thought maybe um, I don't follow this race very often, so I thought with the way it ended, I thought it was going to be more of a, a punchure or something. Mm-hmm. But I guess um, you know, Caleb Ewan had won it the year before, and it's sort of known, I guess, as like a it is a punchy climb. Oh, um, it's for tough. sure, but it's so short that it's the sprinters can really hammer at it. So yeah. Um, Kind of the same thing, you know, where everyone's kind of expecting it to end in a, in a little sprint. So um, definitely was the case. Uh, Sam Bennett, you know, broke off early and attacked, and he looked great. And he was, he kind of went pretty early, but he was pretty strong, and he kind of faded a little bit, and Caleb Ewan kind of comes around him a little bit. And Bennett kind of looked behind him and then kind of lost his, uh, you know, just kind of lost his line a little bit and kind of went really close to the barriers. And... You know, I don't, it didn't matter. Like, he did have to slow a little bit, but it didn't matter. Caleb Ewan was just going to win the stage anyway. Yeah, and, like, that was on him. It wasn't like you and cut him off or anything. No, not at all. And... But it, even if he didn't do that, my point is, is he wasn't going to win. No. Like, he went a little bit too early, and he looked great. And then he kind of just faded just enough for Caleb Ewan to, uh, to come around. And, I mean, Caleb Ewan's so tiny, you know? Pocket rocket, man. Yeah, yeah exactly. So but yeah, no, I think he's Bennett said he did something like eleven. I think it was like eleven or fourteen hundred watts that whole time, and still lost. And it's crazy to yeah, put I'm out cu- that kind of power. I would imagine Ewan put out like six or seven hundred. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, it's how I climb. Yeah. I'm like, uh, yeah, it was like four hundred watts. It was yeah, just twenty. So like climb. a leaf, dude. A little wind would blow him off his bike. <laughs> yeah, stage three was. Um, I guess you know, there's not a lot of climbing out in the UAE tour, so. They kind of, I guess, do a few stages, kind of a, a repeat a little bit. It's kind of weird. Yeah. I don't remember the name of the finale, but yeah, there's a little climb. They go through this gate and then this, you know, going around this segment. And it's like seven or eight kilometers, 6%. It's a pretty decent climb, actually. Yeah. And, um, you know, Gates attacked and just kind of held it to the line and just crushed the stage. But, you know, some interesting thing there was, you know, Pogachar kind of let him go a little bit. You know, Pokachar's still young, and I, I don't know if it was a mistake or, or what he was thinking, but it seemed like a mistake when you watch it, where he kind of pegged Yates for a little bit, and they were kind of doing some pulling, and then he just went after him like a kilometer or two too late. Yeah, I think he, if he could have, he should have gone earlier, but I don't know if he just wasn't used to the heat in, in the moment. It was, it was supposed to be hot. really hot out there. Yeah, and... they said it was like 34C, so... Whatever. That What's is. that in old money, as they say? Oh, let's check it or out. Or is it new on. money? Old money? 34 times 1.8 plus 32. That's 93 degrees. Ah, that's cake. 
I know. That's like, <laughs> that's like you know, that's an all-day thing around here, dude. Like yeah. 93, like in the summertime, if you can get under 103, like you're pretty happy. Like I think I, yeah, I usually stop riding around like 101 or 102 is, is when I like peak. I mean, hopefully I won't be here, so. That's true. <laughs> no, I mean, obviously, like we're not racing at pro level and we're not it's going as too. long and as hard. You know, so being in that temperature would be pretty aggressive, but... You know, for the Peloton, riding in 90-degree weather is, is pretty hot. You know, even in the middle of July, it's not that hot usually. You know, it, get, it kind of gets there, but not every day. So yeah. being February and, you know, 93 degrees, it's pretty warm. So. Well, it's probably the big thing is it's a big jump. Like, because you would come from other parts of the world where it's much colder. Yeah. And then, you know, it's 20, 30 degrees difference. That's, that's massive, getting your body used to that. Oh, yeah. Well, you've watched some of these guys and, like, I think what Knox was there and Godot, like they're just like looking strong, but like they just got wiped out. Like the brake was just exhausted from, I mean, so much water. It's like almost like when they had the world championships and everyone was just so hot, you know, and like they're just draining water. It yeah. doesn't matter. Like that's what these guys look like. They just looked super worn out from the sun. So let's get on to stage four. So uh, sprint stage, but Wendy kind of echelon stage. I was watching the commentators were like, you know, I think Cavendish has a chance in this. And I was like, who? Uh, I mean, he has the chance because he's in Two, three years ago? Like, yeah. yeah. I don't know. But they kept, I mean, it's it's British commentators, so they were always give him some amount of credit. I'm like, all right, like, not taken away from anything in the past, but it's just not there anymore. Stop. No, not at just all. Just let it go. He's a shell of his former self. Yeah. So um, kind of chaotic final, um, but... Strong showing by Gaviria and Ackerman, like Gronewagen went easily took the win on that. Yeah, it's shaping up to be another good sprinting season. You know, we've talked about it before where, you know, in years past, it's always been one really strong sprinter like Cavendish and no one else. And then, you know, then when Sagan kind of came on, it was only him and, and a couple other people. Say like when Kittle like won like just so many stages of the tour when he was looking super good. Yeah, well, he was also on quick step. Yeah, so anyone, anyone on quick step. Uh, but yeah, so we're just in this this dream scenario of sprinting. Where there's so many. There's at least almost, I gotta say, eight to ten really strong like sprinters. You wouldn't be surprised to winning a, a stage, you know. And uh, just another showing, you know, Gronovagen just looks really good. And it's hard to say who's better than any. I mean, they're all just so close. Yeah, I don't know if it hasn't been a big enough race yet where there's enough of them and everyone's. Uh, in proper form as sure. well because that's a little bit of it too you know you see these guys at the Australian tours and you know people have peaked a little bit or it's still early and they're holding back yeah. so I'd really want to see them at a grand tour tour de France I mean is what it, yeah, it comes definitely. down to yeah I mean even the Giro we'll see but uh, yeah I mean it's it's still exciting but stage 5 kind of a repeat of stage 3 you know they finished on that same climb so everyone knows it Nowhere near as hot. I'm not sure what the uh, temperature was, but it definitely wasn't 34. So um, kind of a very similar kind of buildup. You know, one of the things that was kind of interesting was seeing Froome kind of do bottle duty, <laughs> yeah. and, like get bottles for people. And like, you know, on, on the first day they did this climb, like he kind of got dropped pretty early. And, and obviously no one expects anything of him. It's just amazing to see him on his bike. But, um, but it's always cool to me to see like big names that are like Grand Tour winners or classic stars or whatever, like, doing bottle work for their team. I mean, you wouldn't see Aru doing that. I was just going to say that. Like, you would never see Aru doing that for anybody. You know, so it's just really cool to see that. But, uh, yeah. 
you know, in this stage, Pogachar wanted a little bit of revenge. You know, it was really tough. Cause I think Yates won that stage with like a minute. So he was firmly in the lead jersey. And I don't, I don't know if Pogachar really wanted to go after that. or But it, even if he did, Yates just says every time Pogachar attacked, Yates was right there. And so he never really got away from him. Um, Put in so many attacks, though. It was, I mean, it's cool to see because that's yeah. a little bit more of his style and, and like, he's a little more fun to watch as well. Definitely. Uh, so yeah, Bogachar kind of kept attacking, kept attacking, and then they came in. It looked like uh, you know it was him, Yates, and Lutsenko, and uh, yeah, it was just a very—I don't know how to feel sad finale. I guess like I didn't quite grasp what happened, and even when you watch the replay at first, it looks one way over the other. And but what happened was Lutsenko took the like the final corner. If you can kind of hit the line, you can kind of cut—not really cut everyone off, but block the the window so no one can get past you. And so Lusenko did just that, and he was pretty stoked and went to go celebrate his victory, and he celebrated like 50 meters too soon, and Pogachar kind of just threaded this needle on the barrier and just threw his bike and barely Well, and it was like a, a 50% celebration because he like starts to put his hand up and pulls it down, and he's like, oh, shit. Well, yeah, that's what's <laughs> funny about it. Like, he kind of had this like thought mid celebration. Like, just yeah. when he started to lift his arm, he kind of saw it and he was probably like, just confused. out of the peripheral. Yeah. It's just like, what did I he just do? He looked confused. Yeah, he, I, I couldn't, you know, I don't know when his brain finally made the connection that he celebrated too soon, but he was pretty, pretty upset with himself. Yeah. Uh, quick takeaways from the race, aside from Yates looking great, Pogachar looking great. One cool thing I thought, Campenarts, uh, he was in all these breaks yeah. and sticking with the climbers for quite a bit of time. Yeah, putting in a lot of work. Yeah. Training. Yeah, we were kind of saying the base... Earlier on, uh, I think maybe back in the team episodes, we were talking about a little bit of with Bjorn Reese and, and everything, you know, how are they going to change their team? Are they going to try to turn him into a stage racer, a grand tour rider? And it kind of seems like that's what they're doing a little bit, at least from the outside here. It's kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the thing with Campenarts was he was definitely considering trying to do GC even before Reese came on board, right? So... Having him come on board was just a boon if that yeah. was his goal because, you know, we had talked about Reese is a very good coach, you know, and, and team manager anyway. And so I'm interested to see how he developed. And looking at this race, he's putting on all these breakaways and putting all this effort and, like, really, you know, I think he's just building up his form to see if he can attack. You know, I'm wondering if he's going to attack, like, a Perry Nice or, a, you know, something along those lines, a Torino, you know. Yeah. Oh, it'd be good to see. Let's yeah. move it. Let's move into the meat classics. Yeah, I'll stick with the potatoes, dude. Oh yeah, uh, Om Loop was Saturday, right? So this was a, a very, you know, everyone's excited, right? Opening weekend, you know, big opening opening weekend race. But there was, you know, people were worried about the weather. You know, not like in in, in rain or anything, but there was like what sixty kilometer winds, sixty yeah. kilometer hour winds, pretty pretty aggressive. And so everyone was kind of. That's what all the news was about, and that's what everything was kind of focused on is wind and wind, and how is this going to play out? Um, you know, I ended up not really liking this race, actually. I was a little disappointed when I watched it. So I, I ended up watching some replays of it, and I watched, like, the last, you know, in and out of, like, doing stuff around the house, uh, 50, 60 kilometers, 70 kilometers. And, um, yeah, it was just, like... Maybe all the wind affected the race earlier, but there was a small break, and you know, 
it all came together. I mean, the wind did play a factor, and no brakes really got away. Uh, they were all very short, and so um, short leash. So there wasn't a big race, uh, a big break. And so what happened was 70 kilometers to go, this like group of, you know, a handful of riders just kind of slipped off the front a little bit, which we had seen all day, getting 10, 15 seconds and coming back, you know. But their lead just kind of kept inching out, you know, 10 seconds, 20. And eventually got to like, I think, two minutes or, or not even two minutes was the top, you know, gap. So, yeah, and they just kind of held the, that two-minute gap all the way to, not really the line, but they held it for a long time. And, and the big main players in that was um, Jasper Stuyven and Eve Lampart. Uh, they got to that final, second to final climb on the, you know, Muir van Gerardsbergen. I don't know how to pronounce that stuff. It was I apologize. It was perfect. Yeah, I bet it wasn't. <laughs> uh, and, you know, iconic climb, looks great, cobbles, it's super cool. And, you know, they come up and you crest that church right there. And so it's a very iconic climb. And that was where, you know, I think that was like 20K to go or something. That's about where I started the race because I was saying I watched it a little earlier, replays as well, and the, there just wasn't a full thing up. So I only got the 20. So I had a little bit of a different view. I I couldn't call it boring because I was like in the action when I had the, the everything that I saw. Yeah, well, like for seventy, you know, for fifty kilometers, like those that group of seven or eight guys were just kind of hanging out, and, yeah, or however many was in that break. I don't even know, but um, yeah, and it was just kind of they were staying their pace. You know, in the back in the peloton, there was like some people trying. There was a moment where uh, Van Art and a couple other guys put in a really big attack. And then they got to like a minute 15 and the, the peloton kind of caught them then it slowed way down again. And so, well, that's kind of the bummer when that happens too. It's like these guys go out and want to do the work and the peloton's like, we're going to catch you, but we also don't want to do enough to really help and make something happen. And that's when like these breaks, they, they stick yeah. because of stuff like that. And I think what happened was there wasn't like a, there was a couple big names in the, the, you know, the little break, but it wasn't so, it was so far out. It was like 70 kilometers to go. And so I don't think they were that concerned, but it kind of just kept eating out. And there was just enough teams in there that, it, you know, the few teams that weren't represented didn't really want to do a lot of work. So yeah. in the end, you know, Yves Lampart and Jasper Storben attacked on that last, uh, that Muir and, you know, they looked really good. I was like watching them and just like attack that and seated, you know, just cruising up that thing. It's almost like Cancellara, you know, like motoring up. Yeah, dang it. Chevrolet <laughs> legs, dude. Uh, yeah, but in the end, so they crested the climb, and they're hitting that descent, and then like three or four seconds back was uh, Soren Craig Anderson, and pretty impressive ride from him on that to get up that thing, and he caught with them you know, a couple corners you know, down the descent, and but he was just wasted, man. Just going up that, just trying to keep pace, just really burned his legs out, and yeah. he didn't do a whole lot of pulls on that last 20K, um, and eventually Jasper and, and Eve just kind of got put a couple of big digs and he just couldn't, he just lost. He elastic snapped and he just kind of fell back and, you know, he, he still ended up getting third, but the race really came down to those two. And, and it was exciting, but when you watch for 80, 90 K and it's just kind of this break and no, nothing's really going on. Like it was, yeah, that's what I was saying. It's a different impression. Like when you just see the, that 20. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so in the end, you know, Eve, Eve and Jasper kind of attacked each other and, and it kind of slowed down a little bit in the last kilometer and then Jasper just took it at the end. And it was really cool, A, not to see Quick Step win something, you know. And, True. You know, my boys at Trek kind of getting a victory was pretty awesome. Yeah, and I think it's always good just to see the guys up there who have put in the work win. Yeah, he's been, you know, Jasper's been putting in a lot of work, uh, you know, in the last few seasons and he just could never, 
you know, get some big results. And so, you know, Omloop isn't a monument by any means, but it's still a good indicator that is, he's continuing his progress. And, and even Trek has gotten a lot better this season in general. So, Yeah, definitely. Let's move into today's race. Yeah. Kern and Brestle Kern. So we started this around 80K or so that they had out there, and, and the front brake already had a gap of about five minutes or so. Uh, smaller guys in there I hadn't recognized. There was there were some Alpha Phoenix guys. There was an Astana rider and smaller names, um, but they stuck out there quite a while. You, you forgot the one the one big young rider from uh, UAE on that on that break too. Oh well, that was the bummer. Mikhail Bjerg went and got a flat, uh, and I think changed that that break a little bit as well, just because he's you know, TT powerhouse and yeah. he gets a flat and just the worst tire change ever. Like, <sighs> was that the team or was that a neutral? No, car? it was neutral. And they were like, neutral service always sucks. Well, they were like, why isn't there a team car up here with him? And yeah, he goes and has it prepped basically, you know, back wheel already off, which already sucks. Cause it's a back wheel. It's worse. Back wheels are always the worst. And then, you know, they get it on fumbling around and then they're like, kind of like, you're good to go, and then he goes and just it, it's not good, and then just, I feel like it was a two-minute process or something for him, so he ends up getting caught by the break. Yeah. But my I mean... F- <laughs> Real quick, just a small <laughs> tangent. My favorite was when, like, uh, Chris Froome or somebody would get a flat, uh, and they, he would just, like, throw his bike or whatever, and he'd just get another one. <laughs> <Yeah>. He's <laughs> uh, like, I don't mess with this. He's like, Ugh, just throws his bike away. I'm Disgusted. Nicole Burke could never do that, but... Yeah, maybe. Oh, maybe that was Bradley Wiggins. You know. Well, there's one where like Wiggins, like I think there's like a video of best bike throws, and he just tosses it, and I think it rolls and coasts and just kind of parks it against the side wall or something. Yeah. But the big thing I think that started changing this up is there was a uh, a crash around 70 kilometers to go. Yeah, it was really weird. It was in a tight. I think things were starting to tighten up right then. I think it was around the the Quermont just before it or on it and you see these guys and the guy goes down the ditch and you just see some Ineos guy toss a bike over him yeah so if if you know if I told you hey there was a rider that threw someone's bike uh, and he was on team Ineos like who 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 would it be I mean, I would probably guess it's absolutely Moscon. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> correct. And it, and it was. And, you know, they, they a little bit later in the race, you see him kind of soft-pedaling it, and it's because he's got the, the news that he's being kicked out of the race. It would only have been better if you could overhear in the camera him, like, yelling a racial slur. Because, <laughs> like, yeah. dude, that guy is a, you know, he's obviously a very strong rider, but he seems to have an issue with, like, temper or something like he yells at people he's punching people he's throwing people's bikes like guy can't handle something i don't know he shouldn't be there anymore like he should have been gone for the the last one and it's nobody else does that in the peloton like maybe you see one guy i think with the the fight that uh what's his name had uh i can't remember he's on jumbo now but tt guy the panzer wagon Oh, Tony Martin. Yeah. He, oh, in the tour last year or whatever? Yeah. So, I mean, you see stuff like that. That was just a little bit off, of tempers, right? But, like, yeah. they're one-offs yeah. is, is kind of what I was getting at. And him, it's always him, and he's always involved in something like that. It's just... Yeah, I definitely think it's time. Like, I wouldn't... I mean, whatever Team Ineos wants to do, but at some point, it's like, 
suspension. I mean, it's not like the NFL or, or basketball or something where you can get like ten games or something. Like, you know, you could get ten, you know, races. Well, they the last time they did it like in the off season, they were like, oh yeah, you're suspended for yeah. stuff that you're not racing. You should just get suspended for um, you know any Italian races for the rest of the year, which is probably good because they're not going to have oh. them anyway. Too soon. We'll we'll get there. Yeah. But kind of finish up this so kind of the race really happened without anyone knowing was Casper Aspring Askring joins the front group and there was maybe three guys up there just starts pulling hard and holds it yeah like you know it was very interesting because like they yeah, it was a, I think it was like an eight or nine man group and, and they were all working together really well and, uh, and then it eventually just gets closer to the finish and so you know Casper just kind of takes off, and a couple other dudes, you know, fall on these two Belgians, one from Alpecin Phoenix and the other guy from Wallonie Below or whatever. Brussels, or... Yeah, I don't know the name. I, I apologize to anyone out there from, from Belgium on that team listening. No one. And, uh, <laughs> so yeah, so it was just those three, and they're kind of riding. I think it was like 20 kilometers to go, and, and you know, they're kind of working a little bit. Askreen's doing a lot of pulling. And, like, I had commented even during the race, I'm like, why is he doing so much work? Like compared to the other two and yeah the reality was they just were pretty cooked and you know they just couldn't do any work and so uh they kind of eventually i think like 15 18k to go 15k they kind of shed the guy from alpacin he just couldn't couldn't handle it he put in a little dig and he just popped immediately and so it's just those two and they kind of had this little conversation and casper's still doing a lot of pulling and yeah it gets to like I guess that was a little earlier. But yeah, like 15, 20 kilometers to go, um, Casper just kind of takes off on his own. And like you're like, hmm, you know, oh, he'll just kind of string it out a little bit and then they'll bring him back. Or, yeah, you know. I thought they were letting him stay because they didn't want anybody else to go off the front. So they're like, we're working for um, Jakobsen Sprinters back here and, stuff, yeah. and, and the other teams as well. And they're like, we'll just let it because it's 12 seconds, you know, 14 seconds, something like yeah. that. And there was a pretty big little peloton. It was like 40 riders or whatever. And they're all, there's like three teams or two teams. It was three teams working. It was Ineos, Sunweb, and then this one dude from Lotto, Sudal, who had like <laughs> just the, the craziest <laughs> face. He looked just like he mouth was suffering, open, just man. Crazy suffer. Yeah, he was suffering. And so, yeah, it was those guys. And they were kind of taking turns and standards there. And they're kind of just doing all this work. And they're, they're not getting anywhere. You know, the whole time those three guys are just maintaining. And then so... When it was just Askreen, it was just still those three or four guys were rotating through, and he just they couldn't get any time on him. And uh, at some point, at like ten nine kilometers to go, like you know, Askreen started to look like he was kind of getting tired, and you know they brought the the time down to ten twelve seconds, and like okay, like he's kind of worn out, and you know he kind of just clicks his gear. You could see him in the way he holds his his bars in that TT position. He just kind of uses his pinky and like goes up a gear, and like the gap just kind of comes out of three or four more seconds. And, uh, yeah, it was just like, can he, then you start thinking, like, could he do it? You know, like, because it sucks. You know, you watch these races where, you know, quick steps in the in that peloton, they had five riders just all hanging out. They're, like, shooting the breeze. Like, they're not even, like, suffering. Like, they're just having a, just a free ride to the finish. And so, you know, this is what they do. And so they're not really worried. And, you know, they kind of pull that tactic where they kind of get, try to edge themselves to the front of the group and kind of just, Soft because it's interesting. It's because you you have who potentially could be the top sprinter in the race. Yeah, but you got a guy up here, and it's like, do you work? Do you do anything? Because you want to be in position if you need to be. Yeah, it was really close, and in the end, like, you know, it would have been an interesting finish. I don't think their tactic would have 
it, it was really cutting it close. And so, yeah. you know, when, when Askin really clicked that gear up, you know, he had like three or 4K to go. And you're like, man, like, I just, I think he might be able to get this. And then it kind of dips a little bit. And you're like, no, they're going to catch him with like 2K. And then you get to like one and a half K and, and 1K. And he's just still hanging out. And he has just enough. And he's like nine seconds or something with a K. And, and you watch him take that left corner. And I was like, dude, guy's got it, man. And like, that I can't get upset with. Like, he came across the line, and, like, you could see the peloton behind him, and everyone, you know, lines up their sprint, and he ended up winning with, like, two or three seconds or something. It was really close, but it was really awesome to see a guy put so much work in for 20, 30, 40K and, like, get the victory, you know? Like, so yeah. close. Not like it was... Like, Deserved victory. Yeah, I think it was Nazolo had three seconds, was in second, and Kristoff came in third. Yeah. So, um, I thought the coolest thing we were, we were watching as, you know, they're con- all the guys are con- congratulating them and everything. And one of the Alpacin guy that was in the break with him is like, you can hear him say, he's like, hey, sorry, man. He's like, I couldn't, I couldn't do any more work. I couldn't pull. Yeah. No, and that was a pretty cool moment. Yeah. But it was just like, oh, like it's like after the, the race is done, everyone's like, all right, like we're friends. Like it's fine. And you're just like, hey, sorry, man. Like I would have done more if I could have like. Yeah, and obviously. no hard feelings. Like, it's all it's all good. Yeah, and in the end, like, he knows that because as soon as he accelerated, the guy literally just popped off. Like, it wasn't yeah. even like he tried. He was like, oh, and they just sat up. Like, yeah. he was just done. So, yeah, it was a pretty cool race. I, I like this one definitely a lot more than Omloop for sure. I didn't find Omloop in the end to be as satisfying. And, you know, the that, that last climb, you know, was really cool to watch. And But the finale, you know, just kind of ended up being a little bit of a letdown for me. This was better for sure. Well, well, biggest news of the week. Yeah, let's, we're just going to cover the only thing here, coronavirus, which canceled the last two stages of the UAE tour. Yeah, we kind of forgot to mention that when we covered the UAE tour. But yeah, they, they canceled the last two remaining stages and you know gave the victory to Adam Yates, which he was going to win regardless. It was like two, two sprint there, Yeah, there stages, was no way to make up time. Yeah, there was a news report. And this is where like the information even now is still muddy and unclear, where... You know, originally it was two Italian team uh, doctors or staff of a team had tested positive for coronavirus. Um, and so they canceled the stages and, like, quarantine and were trying to do all this stuff. And, you know, riders are stuck in their room and, you know, they're supposed supposedly, like, signing these waivers where they can't talk about their test results or do any of this stuff. And there's just not a lot of news coming out other than, you know, obviously they have to announce the stages are canceled. Yeah, I thought the weird thing was... Like the teams were starting to be cleared, and then UAE puts out a statement that they're deciding to stay for like their own testing and to make everything, make sure everything's fine. And it just, I don't know, it seems odd, and maybe it's obviously everything's everything is speculation because we have no idea. Well, it's also just a big news story. Anything coronavirus related is just hogging the news. You know, the stock market's down and all this stuff, you know, and worried about more of a a pandemic, which you're not allowed to use that word, apparently. So, like, so it's just a big news to see this in cycling, where it's like, hey, a stage got canceled, two stages got canceled because of this. And I remember when I was watching the highlights from the previous stages, I was kind of a, a couple of days behind, and I was watching um, stage four or five or whatever, and it was that last climbing stage, and I was didn't even realize that the the replay for the next stage wasn't even on. You know? <laughs> you're like, oh, didn't even notice. This doesn't exist anymore. And so, like. Uh, I was watching, and then I went into my room and I was like reading the, the, I was like, oh cool, there's nothing else to watch, I'll look at the news, and then I saw it and I was like, oh shit, like, I totally forgot that that was even supposed to be today, you know, I didn't even realize, but it was a sprint stage, so why would I care? But, uh, 
but yeah, so it's just kind of big news, and that you know, it's just going into next week's race. You know, we're supposed to have started Bianchi, and that's been in the news where you know will it get canceled. They're talking about canceling that possibly, and this was like a month or two ago. Yeah, and the fear a lot of, of the it, right, a lot of the Milan San Remo was the big one that I had heard about as well. Is still Undecided. up in the air. Yeah, exactly. And so you know, there's some issues with with Italy right now. I think Northern Italy is kind of in a lockdown situation and in a quarantine. So. They're supposed to what? Find out tomorrow. They're supposed to announce whether or tomorrow. Not yeah, I think have... like RCS or whoever's putting it on is supposed to decide. People got to know. I mean, Sagan's down in Colombia, you know, hiding out. So uh, it's true. He this needs is... to know if he's coming or not. It's where you hide from the coronavirus, dude. <laughs> yeah, coronavirus. You know, police. Whatever you need. Ex wives. You know, just, <laughs> yeah, just hide from everyone down there. So we'll do a quick preview of Strade. Hopefully that it happens. Yeah. Um, we'll find out for sure tomorrow. I hope so. It's one of my favorites. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, it's also because of that there isn't a full roster and start list announced of who's going to be there. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. This is kind of based on what we could find. So kind of looking at some of the favorites, run through real quickly. We have Sagan. We have Sepp Van Mark, uh, Wout Van Aert, uh, Tish Benut, Michael Matthews, uh, Philippe Jobert, uh, Dagenkolb, Nibali, Brambia. Fulksang, um, GBA, Rui Costa, and Stebar. Yeah, and you know, long list of who we think potential. Pretty long list, you know, and that was just what we could find. Even last year's winner, Alaphilippe, I don't know if he's going to be there or not. Right? It wasn't. He yeah, wasn't listed. It wasn't listed. And, <laughs> I don't remember here ever hearing that he was going. You know, so um, I guess you know, Fuglesang got second last year, and so he's been eating more carbs. Maybe he'll get first. Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think Wout. I'm going to throw as my favorite on there. Because he's done really well on this before, and yeah, we well, know can suffer on this climb. <laughs> I think he'll be a lot better at climbing this time. Like, yeah, th- that was the first time he had done the race, right? And so I think so. Yeah, that was one of his first big races in the pro. When the he was pro still Peloton. on, yeah, what was it, Cornyn Circus, Circus or? or something like that? Yeah. So this was like his first, like kind of big classic race, I believe. It was like his first or second big road race, and so he really was aggressive, and he just kind of blew himself up on that last climb. I mean, I think he still got third, but he was in that group. He looked really good, and then he just was like suffering. It was like what? Amazing photo afterwards of just like the amount of pain, and you're just on the ground. Oh yeah, I mean, welcome to the pro tour. You know, like it was a great. So I expect him to be, you know, better form in that regard, just because he's had a lot more under his belt, and so he's definitely a top favorite. You know, he came, you know, to Umloop and stuff this weekend, to, specifically because some of the other races like Milan might be canceled, and even this race, so he wanted to get something in. Yeah, so. and he had talked a little bit that you know team tactics or that he couldn't do as much as he wanted to oh, an in Omloop. in Omloop. Yeah. So just by his positioning and which is no fault to the rider or anything, it's just you know you have a guy up there, you can't just attack. Yeah. You need to let them try or be your satellite rider or you know whatever it's going to come down to. You could just play the Mobistar tactics. <laughs> you just chase your own just guys down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, so it'll be interesting. I'm really hoping they do keep the race, but obviously, you know, bearing any, you know, I don't want anyone to get coronavirus. So, like, if they deem it necessary to cancel the race, that, that, that's, a, that's the correct answer. But, you know, in a perfect world, I, I want to watch Strade Bianchi next week. Who's your pick if, uh, if it happens? I, I just want to see Sagan win it. I mean, I do, too. <laughs> Has he won it? No. He was always close. He's gotten on the podium, I know. I, think I mean, I think Cancelar... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'd I think like he to has see a, a sector cancel named after him or something. Dude, he won like, like every single one he 
enter Disney. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd like to see Sagan uh, win it, personally, I guess. Like, it's, it's just strange to kind of say, but I, I'd like to see him win. Yeah, I kind of want to see what he can what he can do or what he's going to look like this year because the race out, out in, um, in Colombia or San Luis, I just don't think it was... He wasn't in top shape and didn't like it was I'll super say. suited for him. Not at all. No, I, he's just getting there, his base and stuff. He's been focusing a lot on altitude training and stuff, so I don't know what his... Like, if he's trying to change his body or what, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know because, I mean, he's supposed to ride Giro this year and things a little different. I, I don't... The only thing that I can see is he's just kind of bored with it and is looking for something new. We had talked about... I think so. You know, last year, it's what else is there for him to do besides the couple races that he really wants to win? Otherwise, aside from money, like what other what motivation is there to keep riding? Oh, yeah, for sure. No, I, I totally agree. But we'll see. I guess we'll find out tomorrow whether there's a Strade Bianchi. We will. Hope so. Yeah. Well, that's it for this week. I'll see you guys. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. See you.